Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Rivals. After a one-week hiatus, the sports rivals are back. Today, we're going to talk a lot of the NBA, free agency and trades and summer league. We'll touch a little bit on Major League Baseball with only around 40 games left in the season. What does it look like going down the stretch? And then Monty will have his closing thought at the end. We'll talk about consolidation in NCAA football. But Ernie, first, NBA talk. Let's start summer league where your Boston Celtics looked amazing until today. <laughs> until the last game. <laughs> but, but what an exciting run. I mean, for, for the Celtics to actually get there. I mean, m- my intention on watching the Summer League was basically to see how Pritchard, Langford, and Neesmith, uh, you know, their three rookies that they drafted over the last uh, couple of years would, would perform. And, uh, you know, mission accomplished, in my opinion. Uh, I think there was more said to be done in regards to Romeo Langford, although I, he, he did make the top 10 list on ESPN's uh, highlight film for the Summer League uh, with an amazing dunk. Uh, but uh, as far as Pritchard and Neesmith were concerned, uh, it, it, sh- it looked like, at, at least prior to t- today's game, Pritchard looked like a man amongst boys. Yeah, I mean, he really did. And I, I've always been a Pritchard fan from last year when you guys drafted him. And it was nice to see. I mean, he was dominating mm-hmm. um, through the first few games and he had to leave to take care of family business. Right. Participates in the pro-round there in Portland where he scores 90. 92 <laughs> points in one game <laughs> right. and 57 points in another game. Right. Holy smokes. No, that's the same uh, thing that Isaiah Thomas went for 81. Right. So clearly, there's either they're not playing defense at all or the games are like 50-minute halves or something because 92 points and right. 81 points is, is crazy. But he looked great. Yeah. I mean, he really did. Neesmith looked like he was doing good. I think what was exciting, if I were you, is the pace that they played at. They're going to be young and they're going to be long and looks like they're going to play an up-tempo brand of basketball. They were averaging 100 points a summer league game mm-hmm. until today. Mm-hmm. So that seems like an exciting brand of, of basketball for you to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if that translates, I mean, we'll, we'll see when preseason comes around to get actually a better uh, idea on if that's going to be the offense. I mean, this was coached not by Ime Adoka, the new head coach of the Boston Celtics, but by one of his assistants, uh, Joe Mazzula, who is, has actually uh, the only carryover from... Brad Stevens' staff from last year, but uh, you know, coming second place, you know, unfortunately didn't uh, end the way I wanted it to. But summer league in whole, great. I mean, Jay, I I got to see Jalen Green versus Kate Cunningham in that yeah. first game. Yeah, you know, that, and Jalen Green looks like the real deal. He, he he is my pick right now for rookie of the year. I mean, it sets up nicely for him. I mean, their their team is going to be young. Right. All young guys, and he has supreme confidence. I would have to agree. I think at this point, uh, he would probably be the early pick. Uh, Kate Cunningham seems to be more under control, so I think Jalen Green's statistics are going to be better. Yes. So it becomes a matter of, like last year, though, by the end of the year, Anthony Edwards had better statistics than than, uh, than Lon- I mean, uh, LaMelo. LaMelo. But LaMelo still won right. Rookie of the Year. So right. it kind of depends on how their team uh, plays out and, and what, True. you know, what 
is his statistics that far superior? But others that did well, Jonathan Kaminga looked oh, like a looked, beast. He I mean, good. he looks like a man child. I mean, so much bigger than many people. And he was taking it to the rack with exactly. authority. Exactly. Coming out from the three-point line, I saw that one move where he just shimmied and shaked and came right to the basket. And took off from outside the the, that, you know, the, the circle there. Not many uh, people his threw size. it down. Yes. You know, so <laughs> it goes back to what we talked about in the NBA draft. I love what the Golden State Warriors did, getting Kaminga and Moody. And nothing I saw in summer league really changes that mm-hmm. uh, that thought. I think if they can keep them together and develop Wiseman, uh, they have a perfect balance of age and young mm-hmm. star caliber players. I mean, Golden State's going to be a threat if these players develop quicker. I would ha- I would agree with you on top of that. And Davian Mitchell today is the real deal. Yeah, he really is. I mean, he doesn't average a lot. I mean, over the summer league, he averaged 11.7 points a game, I mm-hmm. think. And then today, he didn't even have hit double digits. No, he had yet he dominated. Yeah. You know, he dominated defensively, just like he did in college. I mean, I'm not saying it was just him on Pritchard, but he was, you know, primarily responsible for Peyton Pritchard today. And Pritchard went 0 for 6 from 3. He was 2 for 8 or 3 for 9 from the field. He hit that layup at the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davion Mitchell is just a defensive beast. And he brings energy to his teammates. And leadership. Yes. Uh, and that toughness, that leadership. Um, the only question that I have about Sacramento is all of their talent are on their guards. You know, <laughs> so they have De'Aaron Fox, they have Buddy Heal, they have Tyrese Halliburton, and now they have Davion Mitchell. Yeah. That's quite a rotation there, but they didn't do a whole lot to address the bottom half uh, of the team. I right. guess they're hoping that Marvin Bagley will finally stay healthy mm-hmm. and, and hit the potential that he had. But that backcourt's going to be Amazing. hard to handle. Yes. They're, you know, they have offensive prowess in Buddy Heald uh, in shooting there, the fastest guard probably in the league in De'Aaron Fox, right. a defensive stopper from day one in Davion Mitchell and Halliburton who came on strong yeah. to almost you know win rookie of the year yeah. last yeah. year. That's exactly. going to be exciting for those in the Sacramento area. I also, as a Gonzaga fan, I love Jalen Suggs, how he played the first three games. He came out with a bang. He dinged up his thumb and they shut him down. But I think he showed really well uh, in the three games there. So Mobley probably did the least of the top four or five picks. Right. Um, but I don't think he was asked to do much. And they... Honestly, I didn't watch any of the Cleveland games. I mean, I wasn't too interested in that. But Cunningham showed well. Jalen Green showed really well. Mowgli will be fine, I believe. Uh, Scotty Barnes did well. Mm-hmm. Jalen Suggs did well. Kaminga did well. It's uh, pretty exciting to see the level of talent in this draft. I mean, we talked about it when we talked about the, the draft show that they were saying this is the strongest draft since the LeBron draft in 2003. And there was right. nothing that I saw in Summer League that leads me to believe that that's far off no. I and mean, it could be a very very deep uh draft yeah i mean i mean it it, it will be i mean uh i i i i picked uh what's jalen from duke jalen johnson, johnson and he did and he really did. well for atlanta yeah so i think where i had him going in my pre uh, on my pre-nba draft analysis was spot on. Yeah. Atlanta got a steal. Yeah, well, talent was never the question with him. Is can he keep <laughs> his head on straight? Can he keep it on straight for a period of time? I think is going to be the big question. But he was another one that just seemed NBA, physically NBA ready. Right. Kaminga and him really seemed physically ready. Jalen Green just had the confidence of a superstar. 
Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how these guys pan out. Obviously, my Laker team didn't have anybody because we didn't really have drafts. Uh, we did have Joel Ayayi and some of those other guys. Uh, they ended up doing decent, but I don't think the Lakers are going to get too much off of their summer league team. Right, right. Um, not unlike the Celtics, who are going to be relying on, on Peyton Pritchard in some capacity this year. Right. I mean, it's, and it's, it's a good feeling to know that he'll probably be the eighth person off the bench, which will give him still good rotation minutes. You know, but to have a quality guard coming off as as you know the eighth person in your rotation, I I really like that, which shows uh, what Brad Stevens has done as you know as a the GM. new as a GM uh, slash president of basketball operations. So. Now let's transition into free agency and trades and stay with the Boston Celtics because they did two surprising things. Oh yes. Well, first. <laughs> They signed Dennis Schroeder. Right. Now, they got him for $5.9 million. So I think the surprise is that they got him so cheap. Mm. Um, but I was surprised that they extended Marcus Smart for nearly $20 million a year. I like him for the Celtics, but I'm surprised at the price tag you know, for him. I guess they didn't get Fournier, so they had some money to spend and decided to invest in Marcus Smart. But now you have Smart, Pritchard... Um, Dennis the Menace right. is now is now there, so he'll be your problem instead of my problem <laughs> this year. Um, what do you think of that? What do you think of the amount of money that they gave Marcus Smart? What do you think about bringing in Dennis Schroeder? I I love. I mean, Dennis Schroeder at what the Lakers offered him, which was in, uh, in excess of twenty million dollars a year. I mean, that's the big thing about it. I mean, he turned down an eighty-something million dollar contract. Uh, his agent is probably not his agent anymore. Uh, but to get him at 5.9, that was a steal. I I was kicking my I was kicking myself when the Knicks got Kemba for what eight, nine million dollars. But this just more than makes up for it. I uh, I mean his struggles with the Lakers were real. I am but for five point nine million dollars. Yeah, I mean the risk I, is minimal. Uh, I will I will take I will take the risk that he reverts back to the OKC, pos- uh, you know, uh, almost six man of the year right. type of Dennis the Menace. I think the only thing, my only concern with him, and that is kind of eliminated by the fact that it's a one-year $5.9 million mm-hmm. deal. If things go south, you can cut him, and it's not going to cost you anything. Yeah. But he is a chemistry problem. I mean, that's, this is, there's a reason why this is his fourth team in four years. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Hawks, then, what, then one year in OKC, one year Lakers, and now he's with Boston. Um, he has an arrogance about him that goes back to the fact, that, as you alluded to, he turned down four years and $84 million. Thank gosh he turned that down. <laughs> Save Palinka. He's, <laughs> I mean, he turned down $21 million a year to get a one-year 5.9 mid-level exemption. Right. Without a guarantee right. that he's going to start. Right. I would take Freighton Pritchard over Dennis Schroeder any day. Wow. I would play him any day. I think Pritchard is a better player. And I think Pritchard is better teammate. And I think those are two important things. Um, I, it's just a matter of time before Marcus Smart punches him in one practice. I mean, it's going to be not too far into training camp before those two get into it. Because Smart's not going to put up with that, you know, shenanigans. Um, so it's it's curious. But... Now, after free agency and trades, looking at your Celtics, what do you think? I, I, I like they're, they're definitely a better team that they ended up last year. And mind you, last year they didn't have Brown. Uh, you had uh, 
a, a walking injury in Kemba Walker, who is now departed with the New York Knicks. Uh, Evan Fournier, who actually, the record with the Celtics, he played in 16 games. I think the record was six wins, 10 losses with Fournier. I know you're hoping that the Celtics were able to keep him, but I, not at his price. No, not... You not know, he not, went to the Knicks. Not at that price. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that he, when Fournier is on, he is on. I mean, we'd like to see the Olympic Fournier, but the same thing goes with Patty Mills. When uh, Patty Mills, uh, when he was playing for the Australian national team, was a killer. Looks like Curry. E exactly, but put him on an NBA team with the San Antonio Spurs, now New, York, uh, New Jersey Nets. I mean, uh, Superman uh, met his kryptonite. Yeah, you know, so, so. I, mean, I, I agree. I mean, if I were you, I would be excited. I mean, I think you, you replace some parts. So... I would envision a starting lineup. Now, you, I, I'm going to go this way. I think it's going to be Marcus Smart and it's going to be Peyton Pritchard that will eventually be starting mm -hmm. with Brown, Tatum. Does Horford start as your, as your five or do you bring him off the bench? No, actually, I don't even have Pritchard. I still feel that Pritchard's going to be... I have Marcus Smart starting at the point. I have Schroeder actually coming off the mm -hmm. bench. I have uh, Richardson, who we, we didn't mention, who came over from the Dallas Mavericks. Right. You think you know, he'll start? I think at I, the off guard. I think he'll. I think he'll start. You got then you then you got Brown, then you got Tatum, and I think uh, Robert Williams will supplant Horford. Not supplant Horford since Horford is returning to the team, but yeah, I mean the way Robert Williams and it's. Uh, I can't believe that the hype is is. There is the lack of hype, let's just say it, because he actually ended last year uh, semi-injured going into the next series, yet he had nine blocks yeah. in that game. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have options. You're right. They could go small and then have, you know, Horford or Williams with Tatum, Brown, and two guards. Right. Um, which is that's where I think they're gonna go, and I think you're right. I think Robert Williams gives them a defensive presence that can trigger with block shots and rebounding fast breaks if they want to push the pace. And then Horford, at his age already, I think if he can give you twenty to twenty-five solid minutes out of four as a five, uh, I think that would be good uh, for them. Um, I agree. I think they are better than they were at the end of this year, yeah. um, replacing an aging Kemba. And if they get a good season out of Dennis Schroeder, more power to them. Um, I actually think just natural development of some of their younger guys, like Pritchard, like D. Smith. Uh, Langford, he has to show me he can stay healthy. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll, we'll help them. But I think they're going to play an exciting brand of ball. Mm -hmm. I still think they're probably in the middle of the, of the East, maybe in that 4-5 slot where the Knicks and Hawks were this year. Right. Um, I still think Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee and Philadelphia are probably 1-2-3, depending on what happens with Ben Simmons and who they actually get for him. Yeah, that's, that's I think the, the top two are, are Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn, and then we'll see what happens with Philadelphia based on what they get out of the Ben Simmons I'll, I'll, situation. I'll agree with you on top of that. I mean, right now, I'd actually, uh, with with the limbo of Ben Simmons, I actually, I, I probably would put Miami up there. I mean, yeah, Miami with, did good. With, with, I mean, with Lowry. With they, they got Lowry. Um, but again, he's an older player, but he's a great defender. Uh, they gave up Drogic to get Lowry, so they didn't really give up much. They needed to get rid of some of the salary. Right. I think it's going to come down to they kept Duncan Robinson, so they have the same core team. But I think 
they're going to need Tyler Hero to bounce back to be the playoff Tyler Hero from mm-hmm. his rookie year mm-hmm. versus the complete mess that he was this past year. Because you know Lowry's going to get injured. He's always injured for parts of the year. Butler's been banged up for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Bam. You have those two. So if they go to the playoffs healthy, definitely they could definitely you know, be a threat in the East. Yeah. Uh, I think the Hawks are going to continue to develop. I mean, they have basically their whole team coming back. Um, plus they add Jalen Johnson and Cooper in mm-hmm. the draft. Uh, so they have some depth. Um, the Knicks, I don't know if they got any better. You know, if, if Kemba's healthy, which I hope he is, mm-hmm. um, maybe, but I haven't seen that for two years now. So I can't imagine that he's going to come back to the Kemba. No, exactly. uh, and they really didn't do too much else. I'm not a huge Evan Fournier pl- fan. I, I don't think he's a difference maker and Burke he's was, redundant yeah, Burke is better. Um, in that situation. So I, I kind of think that the Knicks will take a step back, actually, maybe drop to the sixth spot with Miami, um, Boston, and Atlanta being three, four, five. That's mm-hmm. kind of like how I see it early on. Now, let's transition to the West. So before okay. we talk about my Lakers, okay. let's talk about what the Clippers have done. So the major thing was Kawhi. they extended Kawhi for four more years. Right. So they're basically going to take a mulligan on one year. So they're going to pay him $40 million this year for him to sit out. Uh, but I think they have to do this. I mean, they really have to do this uh, to keep him. They were able to keep Reggie Jackson and Batum, which is good for them. Uh, and then they traded Patrick Beverly, um, three guys. It was Patrick Beverly, Daniel Oturo, and Rajon Rondo uh, for Eric Bledsoe. So they bring Bledsoe back. They mm-hmm. drafted Bledsoe once upon a time, um, and they bring Bledsoe back. So I guess you'll have a rotation of Bledsoe, Reggie Jackson, um, and then PG plus some of the other ones. I was surprised they traded Patrick Beverly. I'm not sure if it was what happened at the end there where he got ejected at the end and maybe he's worn out as welcome in Clipperland, but he's extremely popular and his defensive ability in playoff times to shut stars down is really valuable. And I'm not sure Eric Bledsoe is gonna provide that type. They don't need scoring. Um, so I kind of question that. I, I think the Clippers, especially with Kawhi out, are going to take a step back this mm-hmm. year. That, mm-hmm. that would be my guess. What yeah. do you think? No, no. I, I'll agree with you on top of that. I, I mean, the Clippers are just going to say, I mean, just try to make the playoffs once Kawhi arrives and then just, you know, it's a whole see what new, happens. See what happens. Um, but as far as... Uh, Knowing Kawhi, though, he's not going to come back. He'll sit the season. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. I mean... Uh, yeah, we'll just we'll we'll just wait and see on top of that. But well, what about the Be- the well, Patrick Beverly deal? Uh, I like Bledsoe on the defensive side. Uh, I guess more than you do. I mean, he was uh, on the all defensive team at one point in time, and, and not very far wow. back. A while ago. No, wasn't it only three years ago? I believe. <laughs> yeah, but for him, it seems he's <laughs> he's really gone off a cliff in the last three years. Now maybe he'll revive himself in a in a supporting role. Uh, in that, Clipper Lab. Yeah, that I mean that that's the part. I mean wh- when he when he went to the box, I mean I, I, I think he was an enigma over there. Uh it's gonna come down to chemistry whether he regains you know that defensive prowess or not. But you know I I I think what the Clippers were doing they sh- they must have spoken with him or his agent in regards to what his position was gonna be on top of that uh you know on on on, on the rotation. Yeah, right. So we'll 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 see on top of that. But I, you know, 
who knows what happens with, with Beverly. But Bledsoe, I think that's the, uh, not a good equal, situation for him. Not, not equal compensation, but I think that's a good stopgap. For him. So you have two players that Bledsoe got traded from the Pelicans to Memphis and then from Memphis to the Clippers. And then you have Patrick Beverly traded from the Clippers to Memphis and the very next day traded to the Timberwolves. Um, so these players getting traded twice in the same offseason, in Beverly's case, twice in two days. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I would love for him to find a way to the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I hate playing against him, but man, would I love having him. The other thing that, two other observations. We, are, we briefly mentioned it earlier, still no trade for Ben Simmons, although right. that one seems that it has to happen. It's He's not even talking to yeah, Philadelphia it's, it's anymore. Inevitable. It's inevitable that they're going to have to move him. And then no, no, not even chatter really about a trade for Damian Lillard either. I think Lillard actually stays in Portland. At this point, it looks that way. I mean, yeah. it, it really looks that way unless somehow he is involved in that Ben Simmons deal for in some way, shape, or form. Because I just don't see a lot of assets out there that Portland would jump at. It just wouldn't make sense at this point in time to me. No, yeah. I mean, that's... that. Uh, I, I just think that Portland's price tag for a trade of Damian Lillard is just way too high for anybody to... And, and, and it's, if that were to happen, it would have happened earlier in free agency. Now everybody's... I mean, they're cap strong right now. I, I mean, it would... I, just don't, still I, don't, sh- I don't see it happening. I'm still shocked that the Portland Trailblazers did not take the offer of Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and KCP <laughs> for Damian Lillard. <laughs> Uh, instead, we gave it to the, the Wizards. Wa- yeah, the Washington Wizards, who are the... That's why they're the perennial... Oh, I mean, not perennial, but... <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, before I get to my Lakers, massive contract extensions. I mean, Curry, five years... Oh, four years, well over $200 million. KD, four years, $196 million. Embiid today, four years, $196 million. Luka... The biggest rookie extension ever. Yeah. Five years, $207 million. Man, they're playing Monopoly, Ernie. It's Monopoly money out there. They are. And they, they only have us NBA fans to, to worry about that. I mean, we're, we're playing tickets. A new contract is coming in three or four years. NBA franchises have gone up exponentially in value over the last five years, which made Michael Jordan the first athlete billionaire you know, with his, uh, you know, interest, majority interest in the Charlotte Hornets. The money is crazy. Yeah, it really is. Okay, let's talk my Lakers. So, we know the trade. We got rid of... You mean Cousins? Well, <laughs> the Russell Westbrook okay. trade. So, we give up Kuzma. We give up KCP. Uh, we give up Montrezl Harrell. We give up our number one. And we bring Russell Westbrook back. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Right. But how the Lakers filled out their team was interesting. It started off with all old people. You have right. Trevor Ariza, right. you have Dwight Howard coming back, uh, Carmelo Anthony, you know, a lot of old guys. But I was really pleasantly surprised that they were able to somehow find a way to get a Malik Monk, mm. who at 22 years old, had his best year this year for Charlotte, and he's still only 22, right. and is a 40% three-point shooter, and Kedrick Nunn, who they got for the mid-level exemption mm-hmm. from Miami. I was mm-hmm. surprised that they were able to get him for, for under $6 million. Me too. Um, I thought they were able to bring in some young players late, which will blend. 
I still have my doubts that the Lakers will stay healthy enough to win a championship. But if they can enter the NBA playoffs next year healthy, they're going to be tough to beat. Uh, yeah, when you, when you have AD and what's that other guy's name? LeBron, yeah, LeBron. <laughs> you all, you're always gonna have a chance. Yeah, you're, you are. But it's gonna... all gonna come down to Anthony Davis. It really is. Is he going to take this off season to get into the best shape of his life and come in to lead this team? Because if he doesn't and he misses half the season again, the Lakers are not gonna. They're gonna be just like this year, a five, six, seven seed. Playing in the play-in game, trying to get in because he's that important. Russell Westbrook is going to take some of the burden off of LeBron. He'll rebound. He'll play hard every second of every game. Right. Um, but I don't know if he exponentially makes the Lakers better. No. It's going to come down yeah. to what can they get out of these younger players. Does THT take another step? Uh, are, is Malik Monk going to continue to improve? Does Kendrick Nunn, can he be a super six man like Vinny Johnson where he comes in and provides offense? I think those are going to be important questions. And what do you get out of Carmelo at 37 years old? You know, can you get 20 minutes a game hoping that he's healthy going into the playoffs? Um, I think the Lakers are not any worse than they were last year. At this point, I'm not ready to say they're any better. I think after free agency last year, I was very excited about the prospects for this year when they mm -hmm. got Marcus Saul and Dennis Schroeder and, and you know those kinds of that it was like man they're going to repeat. Right. This year I like bringing Dwight Howard back because I think he provides a defensive presence inside that mm -hmm. they were missing when they let him go. Mm -hmm. um, Trevor Ariza is another old guy at 36 can play defense but will he last the whole season? I I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. optimistic. But I would have to say at this point in time, if I'm going and generating a top five for favorites for the NBA championship next year, I'm not going to have the Lakers at the top. You know, I, I would have Brooklyn there. I think you have to. I would have Milwaukee there. I just don't know how motivated they're going to be. And they lost P.J. Tucker mm -hmm. to Miami as mm -hmm. well. And he was important. He was. From the defensive uh, side of the ball. Um, I think Utah is going to be good again. You know, Phoenix is going to be good. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, just the natural progression of Felix, Phoenix's young star should make them probably the favorite in the West next year. Right. Unless Chris Paul takes a precipitous drop back down. That's what I think. Father time never loses. He hasn't. He won't. Yeah, and, but he got his money. He got yeah. paid. Yeah. And he still, he still and if got it's not paid. This year, if it's not this year, it's going to be next year. But let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Let's play a what if. What if... They did not trade for Russell Westbrook. Well, I think they had to do something. Um, as much as I did, I, I mean, I liked Kyle Kuzma, and I think the Lakers made the decision in the AD trade that he was the one that they wanted to keep. They got rid of everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, status quo wasn't going to get it done. So I think Russell Wilson, I mean, Russell Westbrook may provide, if he can stay healthy and he can play the best version of Russell Westbrook, then I think the Lakers will be better, provided AD and LeBron are healthy. Mm. Um, Kuzma just has been in a, in a stagnant space, and for whatever reason, Montrose Howard was in the doghouse. So KCP is KCP. He's not a difference maker. So I think even back when, when we got AD in a trade, we gave up a fortune to get him. 
And I questioned, man, we gave up Ingram and Ball and Hart and three number ones. And, but we won a championship. You know, you know, we did win a championship. Right, right. At the end of the day, that's really all that matters. So in this particular case, as much as I wish the best for Kyle Kuzma especially, I hope he blossoms in, in Washington or he gets traded somewhere where he can blossom. Um, I would have preferred Damian Lillard or maybe some other people in the trade, maybe even a Ben Simmons because of his age. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I think we did the best we could out of our cap situation and with the assets that we had without getting rid of LeBron or AD. Okay, yeah. Well, in my opinion, I think by uh, by doing that blockbuster, I think you could have got more for, for the individual parts. I think you could have got... Uh, you know, equal or better value with because let's just face it, everybody wants to play for LA. You don't, you don't, with the free agent market out there. I think if you split this, if you split the 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 individuals, the total of those in, individuals will make a sum that's worth more, in my opinion, could than, be. A, than a Russell Westbrook. Could I, be. I, I think you could have you you could have parlayed Kuzma. You could have parlayed. Harold into something better with uh, on somebody who wants to play for LA. I mean, that's the draw. That's why LA is always. I mean, it's you want to play for LA because there's stuff to do mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. You have LeBron and you have AD, so the you know you're all you're gonna be a contender until one of them leaves. You know, so what's what's not to like? Yeah, you know what is surprising is we we were right there with the Buddy Hill deal, and it seems as if what I'm hearing is that LeBron preferred Russell Westbrook to Buddy Hill, and that's why we went that way when the Wizards came calling at the last minute. But if we really truly could have got Kyle Kuzma and Montres Harrell for Buddy Hill, I would have taken that better because I, I think Buddy Hill shooting would have been a better fit for this edition of the Lakers. I, 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 would, I would too. I mean, Russell Westbrook, for all he does in his assists and all he does for his rebounds and his scoring, I mean, you, you, you said it with Schroeder. I mean, he's on, this is his fourth team in the past four years. Mm-hmm. So somebody's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or, or somebody's correct in regards to... You why know, his value exactly why yeah. why and to me it comes down to chemistry I mean the stats are always there for Russell Westbrook yeah. I mean, so we're going to have to see is Russell Westbrook going to be able to play with LeBron and, and apparently they had a long conversation before the Lakers pulled off the deal so we'll see I mean um, he, he meshed well with KD for the most part on the, on the court uh, for a while mm-hmm. um, but then he had his issues with James Harden. I mean, they're ball, two ball-dominant players. Mm-hmm. And I think the situation with the Wizards was not that he had worn out his welcome because they seemed to genuinely enjoy the people there in Washington. It's just a matter of the Wizards didn't make sense for them to hang on to him at $45 million a year when they could get assets for him. Um, the thing with the Dennis Schroeder situation, though, is if he was willing to sign for one year $5.9 million, did the Lakers not even offer him that? Or was he too proud to come back to the Lakers at that price once he had turned down four years, 84, and decided to go somewhere else to try and get that value? Um, We'll see. It's going to be exciting, though. And it's only a couple of months away, Ernie, because the season is starting on time on October the 22nd. They just released the the Christmas Day games uh, today, and I believe it's... Celtics Knicks are going to be playing. I know it's Brooklyn against the Lakers on Christmas Day. That's going to be something that 
is must-see TV there. Right. Well, I know the, I, I know the Celtics play the Knicks on their opening day game. So maybe it's Celtics somebody else. Maybe it's Celtics Philly. I know Celtics are a part of the five well, game Christmas, Christmas day. They, they, usually, um, they, they usually are. So that should be, that should be excited. So the end of the NBA offseason, for the most part, has happened. Summer League ends today. Now we wait for training camp. We see what happens between now and then. Will right. Dame Lillard gets traded? Where does Ben Simmons end up? Or can he really possibly come back to Philadelphia if there's nothing there for them? That would be a fiasco. Um, that, would be, that would be really, really hard to believe. So enough NBA for now. We'll transition into some Major League Baseball. Ernie, there's 40 games left. We're three-fourths way through the season. Mm -hmm. I know you don't really pay attention much when the Cardinals are not at the top of the bracket there. <laughs> but the, NF, the uh, National League West continues to be the power division. And my Dodgers cannot make up any ground on those unbelievable San Francisco Giants. They are on. They're now thirty-five games over five hundred. Yeah, yeah. That's... And maybe a couple of players from their team. It's crazy. Gabe Kapler is doing an unbelievable job of coaching. They are seventy-six and forty-one. The Dodgers just went on the road, took two out of three from Philadelphia in Philly, swept the Mets in New York, and gained nothing on the Giants, who also went 5-1 and one last week. So the Dodgers remain four games back. They're still banged up. Mookie has a hip issue. He's on the DL. Kershaw has been out now for two months. Bauer will never pitch for them ever again, I'm sure. Um, and, then, and then there's that. And they're uh, still there's there. That, and there's, a, there's an allegation. I believe news came out today on an allegation on... Uh, uh, domestic violence on him right yeah so it's the same well he he's having his hearing today on the girl that asked for the restraining order so that's what's kind of going on now uh, with him so I don't believe he he's going to come back so then we go ahead and we sign Cole Hamels on a flyer to take one of these voids he goes on the 60 day DL today without even <laughs> pitching one pitch for them um, Julio Urias who leads the National League and wins with 13 he goes on the disabled list this week as well. So they're down to uh, Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer, who they just acquired. They have right. two pitchers uh, right now, and then they bring up whoever from AAA to take a spot. So it's going to be interesting. I, it doesn't seem like the Dodgers are going to be able to catch the Giants at this point in time. Now, whether or not they're able to win another World Series will really depend on how healthy they get. Because at this state... They could compete with Walker Bueller, Max Scherzer, and uh, Urias who will come back. Even if Kershaw doesn't come back, those three would be a very, very hard for the Giants or anyone else to beat. But the problem is if the Dodgers don't catch the Giants, it's a one-game wildcard playoff. Right. And right now it looks like that will be against the, the Padres. And the Padres have beaten the Dodgers a number of times this year. So in a one-game deal, anything can happen. And they could be out before anything happens. So I'm a little nervous for my Dodgers. It, it, it would be sad if it came to that. Uh, I still think a four-game lead is, at this point in time, is, is not insurmountable. You know, the, the cream, it's on paper. Man, the Dodgers just look terrific. And, you but they've got to get healthy. We'll, we'll, they are so banged up. We, 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 we will see. I believe the cream will rise to the top once you know everything is settled down with. Uh, but hats off 
to this point with San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, they're they're. I don't know if they're doing what with smoke and mirrors. What they're doing? They are. They're doing it with mirrors. <laughs> I mean, it's all retreads. They have Kevin Dalsman, who's been with three teams, having his career. They had Alex Wood, who was with the Dodgers, who's nine and three as a pitcher. They have Johnny Cueto, who's six and two. Di Scalini, who's been atrocious for years, is now like ten and four. Um, and then Jake McGee, who nobody wanted. Is their closer with like 30 saves? It's 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 remarkable, and I give them credit. Uh, I don't like the Giants, you can't as a Dodger fan, but what they've done this year to go 76 and 41 with that roster in that division is remarkable. So, okay, all but, hats off to them, okay. And and the sleeper, I, I don't think they're a sleeper, but if if you're gonna ask uh, uh, a Milwaukee fan, what, what do you think of the Brewers? I think the Brewers are, are right there as well. The Brewers are running away with the National League Central, mm-hmm. um, and they have a dominant trio of pitchers as well. You know, so they have Woodworth, Burns, right. and Peralta. Those three power arms, they don't have a lot of offense. I mean, Christian Yelich hasn't been the same for the last two years. Colton Wong is hitting well for us Hawaii fans. Uh, he's doing well for them. Um, Willie Adamas came over from Tampa Bay and has shot through the roof um, for for the Brewers. So because the Brewers have those three pitchers, they can win any kind of a series mm-hmm. because dominant starting pitching in the playoffs matters. Right. So, I, you know, it's going to be the Giants at this point. They're so far ahead. It'll probably be the Dodgers. It'll probably be the Padres. It'll probably be the Brewers and then one team out of the East. Who is that going to be? Atlanta seems to be coming on strong. They made a couple of deals, but they're out Ronald Acuna. They're out, uh, you know, Azuna still, who's on another sexual harassment type, domestic violence type of suspension as well. Or is it Philly? Um, I'm not sure who's going to come out of the East. I don't think there'll be a threat. At the end of the at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to whoever wins the wild card game between the Dodgers and Padres will represent the National League. In the wow, Series. wow, and, and you know what? I shouldn't say wow because I don't believe in San Francisco. I, you know, there, it just doesn't equate like what you said. I yeah. mean, how are they doing it? I think once you really concentrate on a team. And you really get the, you know, but baseball, baseball is a lot of it when you're, when you're playing that many games, you really don't really focus on, on individual matchups and whatnot. When it comes down to the playoffs, I'm pretty sure everything will be exposed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Um, But again, the Dodgers, if they don't catch them in the regular season, they're going to have to win a playoff game. And anything can happen. I mean, anything can happen there. In the American League, the Yankees were struggling for most of the season, have turned it up. And they are on fire right now, making a charge to the top of the American League East. It's still Tampa Bay 1, right. Boston 2, but the Yankees are now right there, almost tied with Boston um, in the American League East. So they're making an absolute charge. The White Sox look like they're going to run away with the Central, similar to the Brewers. And in, in the in the West, I think it's going to come down to Astros and Oakland. And then it becomes who's going to be the wild card teams. You know, right now, it be, it'll be between Boston, the Yankees, and Oakland. Two of those three will go. One will, will be out. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that East is going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, uh, you're, talking about a, you're, you're talking about a four-game lead for, for Tampa Bay. And like you said, Yankees are coming on strong. They, uh, I believe Boston just lost today, so I believe they're now tied for second. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Yankees took two. They swept the double hitter from Boston today to now move into a, a, a tie. You're right. Yeah. You know, so they are tied actually ahead with one less loss than Boston, which is crazy. I mean, they were at 500 at the All-Star break, and now they are 16 games above 500, and I, I don't know how they're doing it because yeah, well, well, their pitching is still not there. Their hitting is not that good at this point, but they're turning it around, and they're well, winning all these close games. I think we had a show on top of it when we mentioned the acquisitions that they just that, that they made on, on their roster moves. I mean, that should be paying off. Uh, big time right now and, and that's what the Yankees can do and and that's why I I mean I if you're a Yankee fans congratulations but that's what I don't like about uh, Major League Baseball per se in regards to the the big teams they're, they're really there there is a cap but there's not a cap yeah that's yeah, and you can always go out and just pay a luxury tax and, and like the big boys, we talked about this, right, like the Yankees right. and the Dodgers who have such massive local TV contracts. Right. They have so much cash yeah, at their disposal that other teams. It, 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 it offsets the penalties basically yeah. and yeah. you know, it's not it doesn't yeah. hurt. But for Major League Baseball, I think um, they must be happy. I mean, you're not gonna have a, a stretch run where the Yankees are relevant, Boston's relevant. Tampa Bay continues to be remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they keep doing it with a whole different cast of characters. It's I marvel at Tampa Bay year and, after year with nobody on their roster. You have to 26 games over 500. And how much you want to bet that Tampa Bay dismantles their roster? If they they're already doing it in the middle of this year and they're in first place. But again, Houston, because of their everybody hates them, is good box office for Major League Baseball. So if Major League Baseball can have Tampa, the Yankees, Boston, uh, Chicago White Sox from the big win city and Houston, they're going to be really happy. And in the, in the National League, it's going to be Milwaukee. But if they can get Philadelphia or New York plus the three big West Coast teams... That's like an ideal situation for Major League Baseball in terms of TV prowess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if the haves are there, you know, I'm talking about the Yankees, Dodgers, and you know those big city market teams. Uh, it will be very interesting. It's 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 comfort food for the viewing audience to see these, you know, these teams that have been in there year 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 in year out. So, but but hats off to. To Tampa Bay and Milwaukee, yeah, you know, yeah. for, for for those teams to actually uh, make a move and Tampa Bay and has, Oakland, yeah, and Tampa Bay has to be the model because they've done this year in, not year in and year out, but consistently over the yeah. past twenty years, I think. Yeah, and that and that's where that sometimes you know, as much as the Yankees and Dodgers do have an advantage. Um, Every year, there seems to be these low-budget teams that find a way. Yeah. Tampa Bay this year, you know, the White Sox are now big budget, but they weren't before. Oakland is small budget. Milwaukee is small budget. San Francisco is in a major metropolis, but they're not paying much for their, their people right now. So mm-hmm. they're on a small budget payroll, yet they're, they're succeeding. But Cat Ernie... The St. Louis Cardinals make up 11 games. I know. I mean, I'm just happy that they're above 500. (laughs) I'll live with that. I mean, I was, you know, when when they won their last World Series, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Unfortunately, when that happened, I was actually on vacation on the mainland. I had to listen to it periodically while uh, shuttling in and out of Disneyland. But, you know, that'll last me 
Well, <laughs> I don't think it'll last me, but I'm 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 content. Yeah, I mean, you're you're much more of a baseball, I mean, a basketball, football, football fan right. anyway. Right. So, so gang, before I get to my closing thought, I do want to let you guys know that in the next couple of weeks, two weeks from now, we're going to have our NFL preview show. Ernie and I will go through each division. We'll tell you who we believe are going to be one through four in every division across the NFL, who we think will make the playoffs out of both the AFC and NFC, and who's going to ultimately lose to the Rams in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's coming up, not the next week, but the week after, the, the Monday right before the NFL season kicks off. So we're excited about that. Yes. But for my closing thought, you know, we talked a lot about NBA. We talked some Major League Baseball. There's not a whole lot happening, but I wanted to touch a little bit on consolidation in the NCAA mm. football ranks. Mm. Uh, within the last couple of weeks, you've seen that Texas and Oklahoma are going to be leaving the Big 12 right. to join the SEC, forming an even more formidable super conference. Um, which really leaves the Big 12 in complete limbo because they lost their two marquee names um, after losing Nebraska and some others before. Right. So I think at this point in time, the Big 12 is really afraid of what's happening. And so there's talk of the Big 12 um, and the Big 10 and the Pac-12 forming some kind of an alliance as well to combat what's going on with the SEC. So what I see is the... Smaller schools, the non-Power 5 schools, right. are really going to be left out here right. very, very shortly. It really seems as if we are not too far away from having a super league of 20 to 25 teams that are just going to group together, whether it be the SEC plus the biggest names in the other conferences. Um, I don't know if that's good for NCAA. Maybe I'm old school mm -hmm. where I like the fact that you have so many teams and, and the, the possibility of what if. I think that's what makes March Madness so special mm -hmm. that somebody has a chance. And with this kind of consolidation where you're taking all the good teams who are chasing the dollar signs because right. the SEC's contract is, is worth so much so they're going to get much more money there until there's some kind of a salary cap situation amongst colleges that share wealth like in the NFL – this is going to continue to happen. And is it good? Ernie, do you think it's good to have, uh, there's 115, 120 NCAA Division I schools. If we now have 20 to 25 are the only ones that have a chance at a national championship and everyone else has nothing to play for. Yeah, I mean, in the overall landscape, if you are in the haves, which is the SCC, uh, it's good, obviously. I mean, the revenue stream is just going to be just that much more, that much more better. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure the buy-in to come into the, to the SCC is from, uh, is is exorbitant. I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't even want to phantom that. But for the overall landscape, you're talking about, you're you're talking about a little bit over a hundred teams right now in Division One football. Uh, it it's it's sad. It said, I remember when Miami wasn't Miami. Uh, this is in the, I, I believe, the early, early 80s, the late 70s, right. early 80s. And Nebraska was the Nebraska. And Miami came, I would say they were double digit underdogs, and they killed Nebraska. You, you're not going to see that in this type of climate anymore. Yeah, it's going to be so predictable. Uh, you know, some may like it. I mean, if you're, if you're part of the halves, like you said, right. you may like it. But you know, those that are currently in the SEC, say the bottom feeders, like the Vanderbilts, um, 
for example, if they consolidate all the best teams from around the country into a Super League, those teams are going to be out because they bring nothing right. to the table. Right. So they'll be replaced by Oregon, Ohio State, Clemson, Miami, Notre Dame, you know, those kinds of things that, that'll formulate that. So I'm just not a fan. Maybe I'm more of a traditionalist. I enjoy that. I don't like siphoning teams just for greed's sake. I understand Texas and Oklahoma going if offered an opportunity to go if there's more money available. I just wish there was a more equitable way to be able to keep teams where they are, keep traditions, keep rivalries uh, where they are, and just have not everything be chasing the buck, chasing the money, because that's what college sports are becoming. Um, You know, you have the players that are being able to make money off their likeness, which I have no problem with. I think that could potentially balance out the playing field. But again, not if you have a Super League. So now all the best players in the country are all going to be clamoring to be on these 25 teams, and that'll leave everybody else out in the cold. So I'm not sure that's going to happen, but that really seems like that's what is happening. And once you start going to a super SEC, it's just a matter of time before there's some kind of consolidation somewhere. Because the Big 12 cannot survive on their own. And if they go out and they bring in, I heard talk of bringing in North Dakota State or BYU or Boise State. Good teams, not Oklahoma and Texas. Right. You know, they're not going to make the Big 12 marketable by any stretch of the imagination. So I think what's going to happen is if there's anyone else left there that somebody wants, they're going to be siphoned off. And then those remaining teams will end up in Mountain West, Conference USA, right. or one of those types of teams. So uh, I was a little disappointed. I grew up an Oklahoma fan. Uh, with the Billy Sims, those days from way back when. Um, and going to the SEC just seems different. I, I was already, I hated Nebraska because it was Oklahoma, Nebraska right, at that right. time. And then when they left, that just seemed odd. And it still seems odd. Nebraska does not fit in the Big 12, never has. And they've done nothing since going there. Oklahoma and the SEC is just not going to seem right. Now, at least Texas is going with them. So now mm-hmm. you have Texas, Texas A&M and Oklahoma all in the SEC. But man, that's just going to be a brutal conference. A brutal conference it, with it, that much talent it, in one conference. It, it is. And, and, and eventually, I don't know how long it's going to take. The NCAA is definitely going to do something. I mean, we're talking about a, a sport uh, a sport that the SEC just dominates. I mean, yes, you have your the Clemson Tigers of the ACC, mm-hmm. but as and Ohio far, State, right? And 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 those teams. But more than every other year, the champion is coming out of the SEC. Yeah, and predominantly it, Alabama, it, but it, LSU, it, Florida was once dominant it, for a little it, bit with Tim Tebow. Exactly, but I, I I had to figure the athletic directors from the other schools in order to make this thing equitable are gonna fight this because they do not dominate in the SEC does not dominate in basketball. Yeah, sport. They, yeah they don't dominate in the other revenue sports. Well, but. but Again, Texas and Oklahoma adds to their basketball talent. I mean, Kentucky has always driven the SEC in terms of basketball. Right. um, With pop-ups like Arkansas at times and Alabama this year and LSU at times. But Oklahoma and and Texas are both pretty good in basketball, so that helps. And then in baseball, they do. That's not necessarily a revenue-producing sport, but they're strong in baseball as well. 
So, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just don't like it. I didn't like it when they were picking things apart. And it comes, maybe it comes from the fact that I went to a small school. Well, I went to a school that is in a non-Power 5 conference. Right. And we saw teams from our conference get picked apart. Um, and then I'm also a huge fan of the Gonzaga Bulldogs who play in a small conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't play football, so they're not worthy of going into another conference because they don't have football. And right. without football, you're not going to go anywhere. Right. Um, so that's just my thought. I just was a little disappointed that Oklahoma and Texas decided to chase the money. Um, to me, they already make a fortune as it is. I'm not sure the SEC makes it that much more lucrative, but maybe it is. It must be, or else why go? I mean, right. it doesn't make sense to go. Because right now, Oklahoma has a pretty good gig. They're in the playoff every single year because right. they're dominating the Big 12. Now they're going to struggle to get out of the SEC. And the SEC gets one team for sure, mm-hmm. maybe two every year. But to be top two when you have Georgia, Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU, Florida, just to name six, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be hard. You know, So Oklahoma's not going to be in the top four every year like they have been for the last four or five years. True. You want, you want my quick picks on top of this? Play, pay the players and put a cap on top of it. You pay the players, you put a cap on top of that, you're going to get a more widely dispersed of well, talent. Well, talent will spread out, but right now it's driven by the revenues that the conferences are able to acquire. So they, it, it has to be more... I do agree make the players more equitable so they cannot all go to the same schools but that boils down to those schools just have the most money so they have massive facilities and they have massive stadiums and they have all these amenities that become so appealing to kids i remember when we got to tour the oregon campus um just marveling and this was like six seven years ago marveling at what they had at that place compared to some NFL teams. It was just incredible. So I think it has to be more profit sharing amongst all the teams to make it equal so Mm -hmm. that everybody can have decent facilities and everyone can be playing on the same playing field. That combined with playing playing players, um, to me, that just makes it more exciting. I I mean, if, if you're an Alabama fan or a Clemson fan, then you're happy that they're always playing for the championship. I guess if my Lakers were there every year, the Rams, the Steelers every year, we'd be happy. Um, but for the good of the game, it's always better to have not a dominant team, or team. a few dominant teams. Right. right, and that's what makes you know the NCAA basketball so final special. four so special. I mean, any anybody, it's and that's why they call it March Madness because anything, yeah. anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. So, gang, that wraps up our show. Um, we appreciate you being there. Again, we encourage you to please visit us on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We encourage you to let us know what you think. Do you agree with some of the things we're talking about? What do you want to hear? Uh, we're always looking for feedback. We love feedback. And we ask you for your help in helping us grow the podcast across the United States. Share it with your friends. Tell people about the Sports Rivals. We appreciate that very much. And we look forward to talking to you next week. And remember, two weeks from now, NFL preview show where we find out who will lose to the Rams in Super Bowl. (laughs) Until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. 
Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. 